Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Again, next week we start a brand new series called Life Hacks. Um, I need to put out a little warning, though, because every once in a while I will, um, I call it divine luck. It's when you're like, you didn't plan on it, but God orchestrates it beautifully, and you look like a genius, where you time your sermon with whatever's going on, the events of the world, or the church, or the calendar, or whatever, and I just look, I look incredible. Um, there are times, though, where I look dumb, and it's because, Todd, you picked that sermon for Mother's Day, and the reality is, is I didn't. I just, I just laid out this sermon series, and then I didn't think about Mother's Day, and so today might seem a little bit odd for Mother's Day. It just kind of fits into our series really more than Mother's Day, so that's why we bless moms in the beginning, and then we'll come back and bless you one more time in the end, and for the next 30 minutes, just forget about Mother's Day, apparently, because uh, <laughs> this is not a Mother's Day sermon. We're going in a weird direction here, but uh, everybody say, just follow. Just, just follow, just follow. This is the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus is this, just follow. And he found people who did not believe he was anything special. And he said, that's okay. You don't have to believe. Just follow. He found people who were incredibly immoral. He said, that's okay. Just follow. Cause like what we would have done is, is we would say, Hey, get, get your life together and then you can follow me. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, bring all your funky and your weird and just start following But I don't know that I believe. He said, I don't care if you believe, just start following. And the reality is, is that Jesus gives us all an invitation to follow him with no prerequisites. You're following just to look into it. You're following just to see. And you all kind of begin this journey of just following Jesus. And the invitation is incredibly relational. Notice he never says, hey, follow me and I'm going to make you a better person. Although I think if you follow Jesus, you will eventually become a better person. He doesn't say things like, follow me and one day I'll get you to heaven. He doesn't say, he just says, follow me so that you and I can have a relationship. And if we have that, everything else will take care of itself. And so this journey of following Jesus is incredible. Because, you know, when somebody asks you to follow, uh, what's the first question you ask? Where are we we going? Well, I I may follow you, but where are we going? And we discovered where the destination is that Jesus wants to take us. And it's this life where we are free from fear. And then we we ask the question, okay, well, sometimes when you go places, you're like, okay, but what do I wear? Is this this Ruth's Chris or is this the taqueria? What are we doing today? And, And you need to know what to wear. And we learned what it looked like to actually follow Jesus and what a follower might look like. Because most religions have a wardrobe, Christianity does and doesn't. You should figure that out too. That's, that's, that's one of the great messages. Last week we just talked about the fact that following Jesus will eventually, if you follow him long enough, it will eventually cost you something, but it's worth it because whatever you pay, you were going to lose anyway, and whatever you feel like you lost, you get back in the end as well. So it's, it's, it's just worth it. Now today, today uh, we're going to talk about kind of a, a unique idea, something that every person struggles with at some point in their journey of following Jesus. Now, let me make a confession real quick. How many of you on social media? You, you tweet, you Facebook, you, you Pinterest, you... What do you do? You Insta. Okay, I need to make a confession as your pastor. I love you very much, but sometimes I unfollow you. I do. I unfollow. Um, does anybody ever done that? Anybody ever gotten so wore out with somebody's post that you're like, I'm done? And, and Facebook has this beautiful thing where you can like stop seeing their post but technically still be their friend and they don't know. And that's really what I do to you. And, 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 and here's why 
I do it. Have you ever thought about like the reasons why you might unfollow people? I don't know why you unfollow people, but this is why I unfollow people. If you are a super selfie, if you are a duck face selfie, if you are, and you, you're laughing because you know what that means, or you've done it, and now I'm making you feel a little self-conscious. If you are an over-selfie person, there is a good chance I might follow you. You might look something like this. This is selfie number one. Yeah. Stop it. Quit torturing your cat. Nobody cares. Stop it. Here's another one. Another. Yep. Selfie. The selfie. So if you, if you selfie too much, um, uh, game request people, stop it. I don't care. I don't know what Farmville is. I don't play Farmville or, remember Candy Crush? Thank God that died out. Is that still around? Oh, okay, two people. You're behind the times. That's so last year. Um, what, what's another one? Um, political rants. Yep, stop it. Stop it. You have never won an argument on Facebook. You never won an argument. Stop it. You just make yourself look bad. The political rants, they, they can stop. Here, here's another one. Just you're, you're the overposter with your food, with your kids, with your workouts, something. You just, if you post 20 times a day, that's too much. I'm going I'm to lovingly unfollow you. Okay? Or, or lastly, this is it right here. If you guilt me with Jesus, is it, do we have a picture of this one or did I, did I miss one? Go to the next one. That's the fastest way to an unfollow. And, and let me tell you why. That is not even Jesus. Stop it. That is Obi-Wan Kenobi. That's Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. That's not even Jesus. My Aunt Carol sends me this all the time. I don't have the heart to tell her. Do I tell her? Aunt Carol, that's not Jesus. That's Obi-Wan. The force is not with you. Watch, watch, watch. Go to the next one. See? Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> they don't even know. They don't even know. So, anyway, my whole point in sharing that with you is that sometimes in life we unfollow people. Can I get a what, what, and an amen? Yeah, we unfollow people because they get up on our nerves. And what I've determined is, is that if we are going to follow Jesus, and if following Jesus is the best way for us to think about our, our walking with God and our walking with Jesus, then at some point in our Christian journey, we at some point want to unfollow Jesus, we just do. We have people that we know walk away from church, walk away from God, walk away from their faith, walk away, and, and they just have these, maybe it's a lapse, maybe it's a permanent thing where they unfollow Jesus. Now, I've determined there's a couple reasons why people unfollow Jesus. Reason number one is this, and it's a really bad reason, is that somebody disappointed you. And this happens all the time. If you've ever been in a weird church, funky church, mean church, hyper-religious church, then somebody hurt you, wounded you, offended you. Maybe it was another one of these Jesus followers and they were mean, they were hypocritical. Maybe it was a church leader and they wounded you, hurt you, mistreated you, did something. And so because of what somebody else did, something that some person did, we stopped following Jesus, which is weird because here's the deal. You should never follow Jesus through people. That doesn't make any sense at all. That's like saying, I'm going to stop loving my mom because of what my brother did, right? Like, why would I, what, what, they're, they're not even completely related. At some point, you've got to say, hey, look, I'm not going to follow Jesus through people. So no matter what people do, 
people are separate from Jesus, that's not the same thing. So if you're in a funky church, by all means, get out. If you're in a mean, harsh, awful church, by all means, get out. But don't stop following Jesus. That's, that's ridiculous. Now, here's the other thing, though, because this is just sometimes. The other reason why people is, is stop following Jesus is because, well, God disappointed me. Isn't that fair? Like, sometimes we go through life, and all of a sudden we run into something difficult. Maybe we run into a sickness. We run into a death in the family. We, we run into, like, job loss, and all of a sudden it's just catastrophe. And we run into things, and we're like, God disappointed me. God didn't do what I wanted him to do. He didn't do what I, I, I needed him to do. And if God's going to be like that, then I don't want to have anything to do with God. And, and here's the problem that you might be running into, is that you actually weren't following Jesus to begin with. Because that Jesus doesn't exist. Does that make sense? There is no fireman Jesus that swoops in. And there's no Superman Jesus that always swoops in and always saves the day. The funny thing about Scripture is this, is that God is never in this business of always preventing bad things from happening. Go read the Bible. You cannot find that God. That God does not exist. So if you were following Superman God or Fireman God or Rescue God, that God doesn't exist. So you can breathe easy now. No, wait a minute. That, wow, okay, I didn't even know that. That wasn't even real. No, because as a matter of fact, what you find is in Scripture is that most of the time God doesn't save people. God just gets in the mess with them. Like God doesn't save the, the, the young Hebrew boys from the fire. He gets into the fire with them. That, that, that's how life works. That's how God works. God is actively involved in your life that he walks with you through the storms. Sometimes he rescues. Sometimes he quiets the storm. Sometimes, but I mean, many times, most of the time maybe. And so this is where you find people like, like saying like, well, how could God, like a shooting happens. Like how could God let that happen? Well, number one, I don't think God let that happen. I don't think that's how this works. I, I think we, besides, we, we, we pulled God out of schools anyway. We wanted God out of government anyway. And then we're mad when he doesn't jump back in and rescue our godlessness. So we should just, just be careful because this God does not exist. Now, let me tell you why we follow or, or fall into this trap of, of being disappointed in God. And it's because most of us, and I want to almost say all of us, we started following Jesus. I want you to think about this, because I have to confess this to you. I started following Jesus for mostly selfish reasons. You ever think about that? Okay, this is my story. I was a young man who was lost and crazy and wild, and I found my life to be broken, and I found my life to be empty, and I was searching for something, and I thought God can give me life and meaning and fix my brokenness. And is that true? Yes, of course he can. Of course he does. But, but let's be honest, I was following God because of what I needed God to do for me. And, and there's a good chance that your story is really similar. I'll give you some examples. Here's some other reasons why uh, we, we follow Jesus. We had a near-death experience. We're like, whoa, oh my gosh, I saw death in the face and I need to get right with God because tomorrow's promised to no man. And that's not a bad thing. That's not, I want you to know when I say that I started following God for selfish reasons, that they're not evil reasons, they're not bad. They just have to do with with me. Here's, here's another one. We wanted to avoid hell. You ever went to church and the preacher starts laying in about all these descriptive things of hell and you're like, it scared the hell out of you? And you're like, I don't want to do that. I'm with Jesus. So you follow Jesus for fire insurance purposes. I mean, this was just basically like, do not pass, go get out a hell free card. That's, so that's what I really wanted. And that's not a bad thing. That's kind of smart, I mean, in some way. So here's another one. We heard the other story. Or no, right here. We, we were hoping spirituality would fill a hole in our soul. That's what I did. 
I was broken and needy and, 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 and needed something in my life and was searching and I looked for it in God and I found it. And that's what my story, here, here's another one. We were hoping God will fix somebody else. You ever, yeah, somebody like, you're, you're praying for your kids so you go back to church? Because you think, because like sometimes we, 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 sometimes we try to formulize God. As if we can get God to do something, or if we can get God to notice us. So, so, okay, Todd, so let me get this straight. So it's four weeks straight of church attendance. I pray every morning, and then I read a Bible verse at night before I go to bed. And if I do that, God will somehow hear me? And that's what we do sometimes. I want you to know God already hears you. God already notices you. You could be here today and say, I don't even know I believe in God. God hears you and he notices you. There's no formula for trying to do this. But see, here's the deal. though: When we keep following Jesus for all of these reasons, we will eventually be disappointed. You ever thought about that? See, and just so you know, the disciples were the same way. So if you felt like bad for the last 60 seconds, I want you to know Jesus' disciples were the exact same way. Jesus' disciples all started following him for selfish reasons. And that, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Please hear me out. I'm saying it's what we all naturally do. Well, I want you to think about this. Watch this. So Jesus gets done with like a little sermon, and he's talking about people being rewarded in heaven in the life to come. And then he says, he's, he's turning to the disciples, and this is what the disciples say to him. He says, but when Jesus turned and looked at it, I'm so sorry, Matthew 19, verse 27. This is what Peter says to Jesus. We have left everything to follow you. What then will they, there be for us? So I think Jesus' sermon was like, hey, all these things that these people lost, they're going to get back in the life to come. And Peter's like, hey, hey, wait a minute, what about me? I left my job. I left my home. I left my friends. I left all this stuff. What do I get? You see what the disciples are saying? Here's another one. Delano mentioned the scripture last week. Mark chapter 8, verse 33 says this. It says that Jesus, again, is talking about um, going to the cross and dying. And this is what Peter says. Um, you know, Peter's like, hey, you need, to, you need to like stop what you're doing. We're for you. You're not going to die. And it says well, when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. And he said, get behind me, Satan. That's kind of harsh. People have like rebuked you before. They've never, probably never called you that. And so Jesus like, you get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but what? Human concerns. You're just thinking about you. You're thinking about your needs. You're thinking about your concerns. Because right now, Jesus is the meal ticket, right? He's got big crowds, super popular. Everything's going really good. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't mess up a good thing. The money's coming in. We have a huge ministry. This is going awesome. Don't, don't ruin this, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you're missing the point. There's a bigger picture going on here. And so I'll, I'll just prove it to you with this. We'll just wrap this thought up here. Think about when Jesus is finally arrested. What do all the disciples do? They run for their lives. Why? Because they weren't following Jesus because of who he was. They were following Jesus largely for what they got out of it. And there is a benefit to following Jesus. So, like, I want to encourage you. Like, all those reasons, again, even though they might be somewhat selfish, if you follow Jesus, your life will be, I think, probably better. You will become a better husband, a better wife, a, a better mother, a better father, a better person, a better employee. All those things will be true. But I want you to know this, that if you keep following Jesus for all the wrong reasons, you will eventually leave Jesus for the wrong reasons. And I'll prove it to you. Because all the disciples eventually recognized who Jesus was and said, I don't care about nothing. I'm following Jesus for who he is. All of them but one. 
and his name was Judas. Now you know why it's like, Mother's Day? Really, Todd? Judas? Sorry. So Judas Iscariot is the one disciple that kind of never made the leap. But what I want to show you is this. Have you, ever, have you ever read the Bible and been confused by Judas? Have you ever read the Bible and been like, that don't make no sense? How could you walk with Jesus for three and a half years? How could you follow this man around? How could you see him open up blind eyes, heal the lame, feed people, raise a man back to life? How could you, do, how could you see all that and then betray? Did anybody ever feel a little confused by that? Was that just me? Am I the only person that thought, why in the world? That don't make no kind of sense. I'm going to hopefully make it make some sense today because there's a story that shows you how this thing all kind of turns on its head. So let's read today from the book of Matthew. So near the very end, there's a turning point, a huge moment where Judas changes. And this is what the moment is. So the Bible says that in Matthew chapter 26, is that me? Am I whispering? I don't know what to do with that one. All right, let's bear with it. Just bear with me. So Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 says this. It says, while Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster flask of very expensive perfume. And when she poured on his head, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. And when the disciples saw this, they were indignant. They're mad. So woman comes in, opens up an alabaster flask, anoints Jesus, pours it on Jesus, and they're mad about it. Why the waste? This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Now this, this flask historically would have been this woman's most prized possession and would have been worth about one year's wage. So, so do some math in your head. Do, 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 do. Wow, okay, this is, this is pretty expensive. This is a big deal. And she breaks this thing open. Now the way that they made it was is once you broke it, you could never get it back in. It was the perfume, all the stuff came out. And so once you broke it, it was done. You could not, you could not go back and salvage any of it. And this incredible expensive gesture that she gave to Jesus, it makes the disciples mad. Now here's the deal. In the book of John, it tells you something deeper. Let's, let's read this. So in John chapter 12, verse 4, it says this. But one of his disciples, who? as Judas, who was later to betray him, he objected. So now we know, like John's telling you the real deal. Like Matthew gives you this kind of generic and doesn't want to dime anybody out. But apparently John's like, oh, no, no, it's Judas. Judas is the one that was stirring the pot. He's the one that started this. He's the one whispering to the disciples, can you believe he would do that? Can you believe? So he goes, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a, what, a year's wages. He did not say this because he actually cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and he was the keeper of the money bag. Apparently they're not going to let Matthew hold the money. So he used to help himself to what was put into it. So now we know, okay, wait a minute. So there's an agenda going on. Judas has his own agenda. Now, here's what you may not know. Do you notice how he's always referred to as Judas Iscariot? But that's not his last name. Because in their time period, they did not have last names. You carried the name of your father. So, for example, I'm Todd, and my dad's name was Charlie. And in their day, I would have been Todd, son of Charlie. And that's how you would have called me. That's why when Jesus addresses Peter, he goes, Simon, son of Jonah. That's how they did names. They didn't have official last names back then. So why does Judas have this Iscariot thing going on? It's because it wasn't a name. By the way, Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Just a heads up. It wasn't Joseph Christ and Mary Christ got together and had a little Christ. It's a, t- it's a title. So think about this. Jesus Christ, Christ is the title, right? 
Simon, son of Jonah, that's his actual name. Judas Iscariot, title. Now, we don't think about this because we're not Jewish people living in the first century. Judas Iscariot, Iscariot was a title. And the word Iscariot comes from this, this basic word that meant dagger man. Okay? Now, here's the deal. In the day of Jesus, there's all these political parties, right? Just like today. you got Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians and whatever. In their day, they had different ones. They had like Pharisees and Sadducees. You know why they're called Sadducees? Because they're Sadducees. And so, one person, thank you. Um, the, the Sadducees were like the Jews that were super political. The Pharisees were the Jews that were super religious. Then you had the Essenes, which were like um, uh, monk-type people, wanted to escape. The world was evil. Let's escape it all, and we'll live up in the mountains. And then you had Zealots. Everybody say Zealots. Zealots were um, the militant ones. They were the radicals. They were the revolutionaries. And so what the Zealots had was the Zealots had a group of people called Daggermen. You know what Daggermen did? They walked around with daggers. Remember they had these big cloaks and Birkenstocks, and underneath the cloak, they would literally have knives, and they would go stab and cut Roman soldiers as a way to... Because they hated the political system. They hated Rome. These were revolutionaries. They felt like Rome had invaded Israel. And the best. And you got to remember, all throughout history, Jewish, Jewish revolts had risen up. And then Rome would come in and squash them and kill a bunch of people. And so there's an incredible hatred between certain Jews and the Romans. And so Judas was more than likely a zealot. He was more than likely an extreme zealot. And you got to remember, Jude, Jesus invited all kinds of people. He's like, hey, fisherman, tax collector, apparently revolutionary. And he was trying to invite. And so here's, here's my opinion, because like if you, you can speculate a little bit here. It doesn't make any sense why Judas would actually betray Jesus. I think here's what was really going on. In their day, most people believed that Messiah would be a king and would restore Israel back to world prominence. That's what they all believed. They were like, oh, this Messiah is going to come. They're going to overthrow that evil Roman Empire, and we're going to be awesome again. And that's what most people believed. And that's not what Jesus did. And so I think Judas was like, this is the Messiah. But you know what? He's not fast enough. Why is he wasting all this money? We could be building a war chest. Why aren't we? Why is he making the Pharisees mad? We need them for political clout. Why, why is he helping? He healed a Roman centurion's son. I don't even get this. He's supposed to be the Messiah. Well, he knew that the Messiah would rise up. And so he thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jumpstart this thing. I'm going to kickstart this thing. And so this is what he does. So look at this next verse here. So in Matthew chapter 27, I'm sorry. Matthew chapter 26, verse number 14. It says after Judas sees this event, everybody say then. This is a big then in scripture. This thing whole pivots right here on verse 14. It says, then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? Now again, he's giving him to the priest, not the Romans. So you should pay attention to that. So they counted out for Judas 30 pieces of silver, and from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Do you know what Judas is trying to do? Judas is trying to kickstart the revolution. He's trying to speed this thing up. He goes, Jesus is moving too slow, but I know he's the Messiah. So I'll kick this thing into gear. I'll speed it up because if they arrest him, then he's going to have to kind of flex his Messiah muscles, and he's going to have to rise up, and we're going to get the revolution started. But what Judas found out was this, is that God's hand can't be forced and his will cannot be prevented. You ever thought about that? Judas just tried to force God's hand. He, what he tried to do is say, God, I know what's best. 
I know the better plan. I know this how this ought to work. So I'm going to like force and impose my will and make you speed up to my timetable. But again, God's hand, it can't be forced. And his will, it cannot be prevented. Now, watch, and I'll, I'll prove to you. Remember the whole thing about like I don't think Judas hated Jesus? That makes no sense. Why would Judas hate Jesus? He doesn't. He's just trying to kickstart the revolution. And I'll show you. Watch what happens. So Matthew 27 verse 1 says, Early in the morning, all the chief priests and the elders of the people made their plans to have Jesus executed. So they bound him and led him away and handed him over to Pilate, the governor. Why? Because they couldn't execute political treason. They They didn't have the power to do that. So all of a sudden, the religious guys have to turn Jesus over to Rome. They don't have to. They just choose to because they want to kill him. And so Judas is freaking out now. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is not the way that I was. It was, it was a, Jesus, you're supposed to flex the Messiah muscles and kickstart this thing. Because watch, verse 3. When Judas, who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was going to be condemned, he was all of a sudden full of remorse. So he thought, maybe I can undo what I've done. Maybe I can reverse what I've set into motion. So he went to return the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priest and the elders. And he said, I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. And they, of course, said, well, what is that to us? That's your responsibility. And so Judas threw the money into the temple and left. And they went away. Then he went away and he hanged himself. The guy was so guilt-ridden that he hung and he committed suicide. You think that guy hated Jesus? No. He just wanted to force his agenda onto God, and it didn't work. Now, watch this, because it says then, after he hung himself, that the chief priests, they picked up the coins, and they said it's against the law to put this into the treasury since it's blood money. Well, how nice of you. You're willing to kill Jesus, but don't mix the funds. That would be bad. So they decided to use the money to buy the potter's field as a burial place for foreigners. That is why it has been called the field of blood to this day. Everybody say to this day. The reason why it says to this day, you have to remember that the, the, Matthew wrote this within one generation of, of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. This is not stuff written 100 years, 150, 200 years later. It's not. It's written by eyewitness accounts. And we can prove that. And one of the reasons why we know some of this stuff is they're like, hey, hey, you know the field over on Elm Street by the corner where... With the, that's where it is. Go look at it. It's still there to this day. That, I mean, we're talking about a real place with real historical people and events and locations and all this stuff. And he goes, hey, that, 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 you can go check it out. You can go see it for yourself. And this is the event that takes place. And, and here's why this message becomes so important. It's because you always want to be careful that, because you, uh, let, me, let me give you a little bit of sense of relief here. You can never betray Jesus like Judas did. You can't. It's impossible, right? But, There's a little bit of Judas in all of us. There's a little bit of Judas in all of us because there's a little bit of something in all of us that says, God, I want you to do it my way. I want it to work out the way that I... I want it to work out in the timing that I want it to work out. And God, I want you to do it my way. And if you don't do it my way, I'm going to get disappointed and I'm going to potentially unfollow you. You know what you're doing? Because Jesus... you you got to think about this. Jesus showed you how to pray. Remember when he taught you the Lord's Prayer? He goes, Our Father who art in heaven... And then he said this, he goes, when you pray, you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your what? Your will be done. He goes, that's how you pray? Your whole life is saying, God, I want your will in my life. But you know what we do? Normally what we do is we say, God, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're awesome. Your kingdom come. But do it my way for crying out loud. My will 
be done. Because here's what I know about you. You want God's blessing in your life. You want God's favor over your life. You want God to help you. You want God to answer your prayers. You want God to bail you out. But bless God, I need you to do it my way. You got a little Frank Sinatra in you. There's something in all of us that says, God, because this is what we do. You ever think about it? You ever think, like, like, as we say this, we're like, God, would you please bless my marriage? Do something great. Do the miraculous in my marriage. But then we don't date God's way, and we don't honor God with our marriage, and we don't seek God in our marriage. We just, well, what we want is we want your kingdom or your blessing on us, but we want to do it, bless God, I did it my way. Or with our kids, we want God, because all of a sudden our kids get older, and all of a sudden they're tripping and crazy and going off the deep end, but they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I need you to rescue and save and do all this stuff, but I didn't, I, I didn't always do it your way. I was, I was kind of wanting your hand to be on my way. Or, or what we could say is like this, have you ever considered the idea that at times in our lives, we are not following Jesus. We are walking in a direction and asking Jesus to follow us. Oh, dang, mic drop. <laughs> because we changed the prayer. We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want your hand. I want your blessing. You know, like, like financially, you want God, God, help me with that promotion. Help me on my job. Now, look, I may have to do a deal that I, you can stay at home on this one. But, but, but when the time comes for like, I, I, that's why I need your kingdom come. I need your hand on this situation. This is when it comes to our money. It comes to our job. It comes to our marriage. It comes to our kids. It comes to so many arenas of life. We want God's blessing all over us. But usually where there's a little bit of Judas in us, there's a little bit of, 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 of Frank Sinatra in us. And we're just saying, I, look, I want you, but I want you to do it. My way. That's nobody in here. I got quiet up in this Methodist church, by the way. Just real. Let's quick. Let's get out of here. Let's get to the buffet before the Baptists do. Let's wrap. Let's wrap this Todd. Let's wrap this bad boy up. Thank you, Mother's Day. Let's get out of here. Okay. Last thought. Last thought, and I'll leave you this because this is this is interesting. You got to think about this. Did you notice how Judas could not prevent Jesus's will? He tried to, but he couldn't prevent it. Did you notice that? But did you also notice that Jesus did not prevent Judas from his will? Which is a scary thought. Because you know what that means? That means if I push it hard enough, God will just say, okay, fine. If that's what, if that's what you want. And what we want may be something that leaves us even more disappointed. Because the very thing that we wanted in life so badly when we got it, it didn't live up to the hype. We climbed the ladder and realized that the ladder was leaning against the wrong building. We so desperately, you ever do this when you were young? Do you ever think about this? You pray, God, if you'll just make him mine, because he's cute and he has a job. If you'll just make, and then you got him and you're like, dang. Can you reverse my prayer? Can we go back in time? Lord, if you'll just make her mine. And then you read that scripture about how it's better to live on the corner of your rooftop than to live with a contentious woman. And you're like, what was I thinking? The scary part is that sometimes God will give you what you want. If you press hard enough, God will give you what. Because God will not force his agenda onto you. Remember, it's an invitation to follow. It's an invitation into relationship. It's an invitation to know him. And that's what I'm trying to encourage you to do is don't get disappointed in God because he didn't do it your way because God's hand cannot be forced and his will cannot be prevented. So don't get disappointed. Just say, Jesus, I want to be along for the ride because of what the disciples eventually did. Early on, they followed Jesus because how it benefited them. And that's okay. That's how we all start. But at some point you cross a line 
like the disciples did, and you say, you know, I'm going to follow you, not for how it benefits me. I'm going to follow you simply because of who you are. And that alone is good enough. And if I follow Jesus simply because of who he is, then I can accept his will even when I don't understand it. I can accept his plan and his agenda even when it doesn't make sense to me in the here and now. I just trust it'll make sense long term. Maybe it'll make sense in eternity. But I need to give Jesus the benefit of the doubt. If this is the man who speaks to the weather and tells it what to do, or raises dead people to life, or if this is the guy that basically predicts his death, burial, and resurrection and then pulls it off, I'll just trust him. Because no matter what, his will can't be prevented anyway, and I can't force my agenda onto him, so I will just trust the person that I have said I would follow. Last thought, and I'll close with this, because I thought, what if Judas could come back in time and say, hey, let me tell you what I learned. I think Judas would say something like this. Blessed is the one who chooses to do the will of God rather than attempting to impose his will on God. So if you're out there today and you ever thought, man, I had this season of life and I was so mad at God, I was mad at church and mad at people, and I just started, I, I, would you come back? Would you come back, please? Jesus is inviting you into this relationship. No prerequisites. You don't even have to believe everything. Just an invitation to follow. It's not go clean it up first and then maybe you can follow me. He goes, no, 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 you follow me. We'll figure it all out as you walk with me. I'm just telling you that there's an invitation. And if you ever walked away from God because of something a church did or something a church leader did or just something because you got disappointed because God didn't do it your way, can I just kind of maybe just take the pressure off and say that maybe is not a good reason to unfollow? Can I encourage you today and tell you that the invitation is still there? I want you to know all those disciples that fled when Jesus went on trial, he invited them all back. I'll tell you what, I'll finish with this story. After the resurrection, all the disciples were like, Psh, I'm going back fishing, right? So Jesus shows up on the seashore. He's like, hey, everybody, how's it going? And, and there's this encounter where they recognize that now they spent the whole night, fish, the whole night fishing and they caught nothing. That's the story, right? Fishermen, you fish all night, you catch nothing. That's a bad night. So they wake up and they see Jesus on the shore and they realize it's him through this, this cool little event that takes place. And so Peter jumps into the water and swims to Jesus. And you know what he finds? He finds Jesus on the seashore cooking grilled fish. You get the irony of that? Your whole life you're looking for something. And what you don't know is that Jesus already has it prepared for you. The invitation was still there. Peter ran away. Peter denied. Peter fled. Peter did all those things. The invitation was still there. The invitation to share a meal. The invitation into relationship. The invitation to just follow. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me today? Today there's an invitation for you. Thank God that every time I maybe didn't follow, Jesus didn't quit on me. Maybe every time I had doubt and fatigue, I didn't, I didn't want to follow, that Jesus didn't quit on me. The invitation's still there. And so if you're here today and you say, Todd, I, I've been away from God for a long time. I've been away. I haven't been following Jesus. I've been away. I, I kind of quit following and I had my own reasons why. And Can I encourage you? The invitation is there. Would you please just follow? Dear God, I pray for everybody here within the sound of my voice, God. I pray that you would stir in their hearts.
stir in their minds. God, speak to them, help them. Lord God, would you show them what their next step is? Would you show them what they need to do next, God, to begin that relationship again, to begin to follow again? Help us all, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. amen. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.